I? Viscount Wayne. Fancy seeing you at Sir Thomas Spencer's ball. Lady Fiona. Uh, have you got the time, please? The time? You are a one. You're supposed to ask me to dance. Oh, yeah. Uh, sh- should we dance then? Why not? Do you know the steps? Yeah, I do, actually. Left, right, left, right, turn around and clap. I'm impressed. <gasps> it's it's Trevor, the great explorer. <sighs> Hello, everyone. I say, what discoveries do you have for us, O oh brave and fearless one? I've got spices, <gasps> and bananas, <gasps> and this. What, that thing around your neck? It's a rough. We've all got them. We'll know about those. No, it's a rave snood. A rave snood? Yeah, I've discovered rave. What? Oh. Feel the bass. Let me take you into space. Shabba. Oh, thank goodness it was a dream. Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Disney Plus. There's more to Disney than Mickey Mouse. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. I reflect on the songs and my past today as well, as an adult, and see if my opinions have changed, see if I've grown up at all. And the good news is, I think I have. This week, I'm looking at a song called The Prophecy, which is track six on the seventh son of a seventh son album. Last week, I looked at the title track of the seventh son of the seventh son album, and the song was called Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and I had some feedback on the show. I heard from someone called Mr Probability, and he's been looking at the chance of there being a seventh son of a seventh son happening. And he says he thinks listeners will be interested in this. And he sent this in the post, and it's about 20 pages long of calculations, workings out, and some social commentary. I'm not going to go over all of it, as I've got a podcast to make, but thank you very much. He starts off by saying that the probability of having seven sons is seven lots of one out of two, if you assume that there are two genders, he says. Then there's some pages ranting on about what gender means in today's society. I think this is a bit of a waste of time, as he could have just looked in the dictionary for this. Anyway, a one out of two probability seven times ends up being one in one two eight, so that's one in 128. So two lots of 1 in 128, because it's a seventh son of a seventh son, is 1 in 16,384. But then it goes on a bit about the chance of people having seven children nowadays isn't as simple as this, due to factors like age, genetics, and Trevor's fact last week that you can now buy condoms from the chemist. It's quite an interesting read, but it got a bit complicated, so I thought, why don't I just Google it? I notice on a page on Reddit, It says that the probability of a seventh son of a seventh son is 15 in 1 billion. 
Now, someone's done working out for these. I don't know if they're right, but let's go with that. But then, if you scale that to the world population, that means there's 114 seventh sons of a seventh... Hang on. What's the plural of... There's 114 seventh son of a seventh sons on Earth, which sounds a lot. I don't think it's that common. But there may be 114 out of 9 billion. Maybe that is quite small and maybe it is correct. But I wonder if any of them know each other. Maybe there's a little gang, a WhatsApp group or little Facebook community. Maybe I'll have a look. Anyway, I don't want to go on about maths. Uh, this isn't a podcast for that. But yeah, I had some more feedback about that episode. And Stefano Di Mera, he, he said he was surprised that after I went on a bit about the diddle dum section and the dur dur section on previous episodes, that I didn't mention the chug chugger guitar bit in the quiet section of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. That chug chugger, chug chugger bit. Um, yeah, well, I'm sorry I didn't mention that, but I was actually saving it for the album review special, but now you've ruined it. Moving on, we're looking at the prophecy, and straight away, that was a strange word to me in 1988. I didn't know what it meant. Now you might get it mixed up with that 90s band whose music will be used later by an odd man for a feature on a podcast about serial mix-ups. But it isn't that. It's not the same word. If you look up the word prophecy, it says a prediction of what will happen in the future. Now last week I mentioned this strange television show called Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. And this had some unusual things, including psychics who might be able to predict things. I was more familiar with the work of Mystic Meg, who I think I've mentioned on a previous episode. She was in this newspaper and she read star signs and had tarot readings if you rang this 0898 number. These tell your future. But I didn't want to ring this on the home phone because my mum would see it on the phone bill. And 0898 numbers were expensive. And often they were used for things like adult chat before we had the internet. I didn't want to talk about dirty things I wanted to know if I'd be rich or get a girlfriend. So I had to go to the phone box around the corner with a pound coin. I rang the number and a voice said, Hello, I'm Mystic Meg. I was so excited to be speaking to a celebrity. Um, And I said, Hello, I'm Wayne. But then I told her I realised how silly I was because she didn't know me and I was a boy from East Birmingham who admired her work. But that didn't mean I fancied her. And could she read my horoscope, please? Because I wanted to know if Fiona Gregory would marry me. Then I heard this clicking noise, a beeping, and I saw that the time was ticking down on the screen, and the amount of money left was decreasing, and I didn't have any more coins. Then Mystic Meg said, Press 1 if you are Aquarius. Press 2 if you are Aries. Press 3 if you are Cancer. So she didn't acknowledge my conversation topics, so I realised this part must be a recorded message. Now, regular listeners will know that my birthday is in August, and therefore I'm a virgin. And I realised that she was going through the star signs in alphabetical order. Aquarius, Aries, Cancer. So I quickly worked out the number for my star sign was 12. So I had to press that. But I didn't want to waste any more time listening to the options. So I pressed 1, and then before I could press 2 for 12, she said, you've chosen Aquarius. So that was annoying, so she thought I pressed 1. So I groaned loudly and I put the phone down with three pence left on the clock. It was a harsh lesson. My mum's friend Christine was walking past and she seemed surprised to see me. She said, why are you using a phone box, Wayne? I can't lie to my mum's friend Christine. So I said, 
I was calling an 0898 number for virgins. And then she said, is that why you were groaning? I didn't really understand this. Um, she must have seen my face, so she gave me some money for a 10 pence mix-up, but with no bubblegum. This song isn't about astrology or tarot cards or Mystic Meg. It's about the prophecy of the seventh son. The song opens with a delicate sound. It was written by Dave Murray and Steve Harris. But let's focus on Dave Murray because he's only featured as a songwriter on albums once every three years before. This time there's only been a year since his last song. And the opening does have the feel of previous songs he's written, Still Life and Deja Vu. But this has got keyboard pads as well. After the opening, which is very nice, the mood changes with quite a stompy feel. As Bruce starts singing, the backing sounds a bit like Quest for Fire with that rhythm, but obviously there's better lyrics and a more interesting melody. The vocal delivery is actually quite surprising and doesn't go in the direction I'd expect. The third line and the sixth line, Bruce goes up at the end rather than follow the others, so that's nice. As a result, I'd say the song is a bit unsettling, but not scary. Block like one of those Vesta curries that you get in boxes, the boil-in-the-bag ones. The song's about the seventh son trying to convince the village that he can predict things and they should trust him because he's seen bad things about the village and the fate. Because he says, the village is doomed and why won't you listen to me? Wish I could predict the future. It might be good. It might help me get money by betting or, or other things. I mean, we have had some prophecies on this show. I, I said that Trevor wouldn't sell many copies of his book, uh, but that really doesn't demonstrate great power, does it? Here's a prophecy, though, from Paul Diana when we met about a year ago. I think uh, he's quite a jealous type, Bruce. I think he's always been gutted that I was in the band first, and uh, I think if he knew that I... I mean, he probably he probably does know. He's probably heard this on, on the podcast, and as a result, he won't get in touch with you. He, he won't come on your podcast. He'll snap it just because I've been on it. Uh, yeah, he was always like that. So, yeah, a good prophecy, but again... That doesn't take much skill, does it, when you can travel through time, so it's obvious, you can predict things easier. I've mentioned the first verse, but then we get this bridge, which has got like a dual vocal, like a call and response, where Bruce does different voices, showing the different shades of the village, suffering, and the devil's laughter. What's quite frustrating for the seventh son is that the villagers become annoyed that his vision came true, and rather than saying, Oh yeah, you were right all along. Now we believe in you. That actually seems as a curse. And he reveals, quite sadly, that he does feel cursed and therefore alone. It mentions the seven whistlers who call and cry. And the seven whistlers are like seven birds whose call suggests disaster. Or it could be the spirits of dead people whistling to warn of danger. It's a strange reference because it's, again, linked to folklore. And the seven whistlers are seen on the coast more, that sort of bird. And, and this little section here, what I've just said, reminds me a bit of the omen in Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, that curse of the albatross. And the crew get annoyed with the mariner, don't they? Like the villagers get annoyed with the seventh son. It's an interesting story, 
And talking of stories, here's Adrian Smith with another chapter from his children's book. Hi, this is Adrian Smith. I know there's been a bit of disappointment that there hasn't been an update on the story over the last few episodes. I can assure you I wasn't annoyed at the crab paste sandwiches business. Uh, I'd just been busy. After my thoughts some time ago about the book being a trilogy, I was thinking that maybe I could emulate that Harry Potter and have seven books. Maybe even a few spin-off books about certain characters. I'm thinking action figures, play sets. Yeah, I think they call it a franchise. That'd be nice. I'm going to do some brainstorming and see what happens. It's a good tool to use for planning, and uh, we use it in Iron Maiden for songwriting ideas. All you need is some large flip-chart paper and marker pens, and maybe some 7-Up, and there you go. Let the ideas flow. It's great. And Nico's got his own version. Uh, he calls it muck brainstorming, and uh, he thinks that's really funny. But it isn't. And uh, it's not very successful either, of course, when you consider how few songs he's written. Anyway, I know you're here for my children's book, so here's the latest chapter. Chapter 11. What Yannick Did Next While Yannick had an afternoon nap caused by an overindulgence of crab paste sandwiches, Officer Riggs was washing the plates up after his triumphant lunch of sausage, chips and beans. The head was holding a tea towel diligently, drying the crockery and putting it on the drainer. Officer Riggs felt a tear come to his eye at this harmonious, heartwarming sight of them together in the kitchen, but then felt a nervousness rise up inside him when he realised his son should actually be behind bars. Could he be charged for harbouring a criminal, aiding and abetting? He didn't know what these words meant, but Sergeant Smallwood would. The head had confided to him that he felt he was on the run, with nowhere to go, like a fugitive being hunted down like game. Perhaps he should ask to be removed from the case. As he watched the head put the plates back into the cupboard with great care, he realised that this was what he wanted. A family. He needed to make up for lost time. Perhaps he could find a lady in the village to woo, and they could all live happily ever after. He thought of all the eligible spinsters. Charlotte the harlot had a bad reputation. Pat Baker the hat-maker was a little too plump for Officer Riggs's liking. And Molly O'Grady, the lollipop lady, was too old. He would have to have a think. While all this was happening, Adrian was approaching the new shop in the village. He was annoyed that Yannick had been able to go inside and buy some magic jelly beans, and he wanted to see what he could find out. He went alone with just his fishing rod. He didn't want to tell the others about it, as he felt being in a group drew attention, and the local fishmonger had complained to their parents about being constantly startled by them. As he approached the shop, he saw that the sign on the door said closed. He wondered if the door might still be open, despite the sign, but he tried it, and it was locked. Bother, he said. He went round the back of the shop to see if there was any way in. There were some large bins just below a window, and as luck would have it, the window was open. Hooray and hurrah, said Adrian, and with a swish and a swoosh, he swung his fishing rod to attach to the window handle. He then swung himself onto the window ledge, standing next to the open window. He realised that he could have just climbed onto the bins to get up on the ledge, but it didn't matter. Now to climb through and see what lies within. Yannick woke up and felt a little sick. His breath and burps smelt of crab paste sandwiches. He remembered what he was doing and raced out to the garden. Yes, he must climb the beanstalk at once. He climbed up slowly, 
his feet testing each leaf to see if they could hold his weight. He looked up to see it stretch high into the sky. He wondered if there was a world at the top, an empire in the clouds. He felt a funny taste in his mouth and remembered the lingering stench of the crab paste sandwiches. He thought he'd better go down and brush his teeth before embarking on this new adventure, so he climbed down and went to the bathroom. The chorus in the prophecy doesn't really sound like a chorus. Even though the melody is similar on the two occasions we hear it, the words are different, so there's no repetition or catchy bits. On the second chorus, it sounds like Bruce is sort of finding the melody as he goes along, which either means he was running out of time at the studio and just did any old nonsense, or it's a deliberate effect to emphasise the frustration the seventh son had that they never believed or trusted in his visions. There's the first three words that sound interesting, and then how he says, fortunes in my vision. Between the two halves of singing, there's an instrumental section to break it up. It's got some interesting sections. First of all, we get like a stop-start section, where they play around with the rhythm. And then we get this sort of old-fashioned sounding music. I can see people on long tables at a feast, sort of clanking their tankards together as, as a hear it. It's got a nice feel to it. And I think if they played it live today, I could see Yannick doing a jig to it. Sadly, they haven't played the song live. Ever. Even without Yannick. It's an interesting series of instrumental passages. It doesn't quite settle, and there's not an obvious pattern to it. If you focus on the drums, for example, then you can hear this even more so, because each bit doesn't stay around long enough for you to get comfortable. And that sums up the whole song, as I've said. We get this lovely solo from Dave Murray. Of course, he wrote the song, so he puts a solo in. And we've seen that with Adrian, haven't we? It's a bit selfish, but I suppose they know what they're capable of when they're songwriting. I like how his final note of the solo overlaps into the next section that Bruce sings, because we've seen that the other way around on the previous song, where Bruce's O's go into the instrumental passage, that overlap, it's nice. Talking to Dave Murray, Dave Murray fact of the week. Hello. We all know that Dave Murray's interests in the past have included archery and magic tricks. However, his songs have inspired him to take up new hobbies. After writing Still Life, he went to some evening art classes, and he enjoyed it. And after he wrote The Prophecy, he started reading tarot cards, and again, he enjoyed this. And after he wrote Deja Vu, he started the art classes again. That's interesting, isn't it? So I hope you enjoyed this week's Dave Morey Fact of the Week. I've mentioned the song's quite chaotic, and it ends with this anguished line, and now it's too late, that desperation. But after this, we get an amazing end section, which is unusual in that it's acoustic. It sounds like an old-fashioned waltz performed at a royal court, and it fades out, which is also unusual for Iron Maiden. It's quite a reflective piece, 
makes you think about the things that the village went through. I noticed that someone has put a version of this on YouTube where they've just looped the section and it goes on for nearly 15 minutes. It's had over 46,000 views. I put it on the other day and I got to nearly 8 minutes and I wasn't bored. I was enjoying it. It's quite hypnotic. I turned it off just because I wanted to do something else. didn't want to sit through another 7 minutes of it. Though I did read some of the YouTube comments on it, which I know sometimes can be dangerous. But I'm Maiden fans are decent, aren't they? So I expected some nice things. Condor67 said, It's an excellent soundtrack for a medieval breakfast. Now it's interesting that Condor67 chose breakfast rather than lunch to talk about. I wonder if medieval people had mix-ups. Lily Bombing also mentions medieval. And he or she says, I imagine dancing in a medieval orchard to this. This is quite an interesting comment. Um, I mean, personally, I don't get an Apple's vibe from the song. Various Randomness says, Skyrim Tavern Music. Now, Skyrim is a computer role-playing game. And I like this comment, and I wish I'd said it. I mean, I could just edit it to make it seem like I did and hope no one ever sees this video and reads what various randomness says. Then we've got Abdullah Al-Khwari, who says, For some reason, it brings my childhood memories back to playing Pokemon Red, the scene where SS leaves the port and is never coming back. I'm crying, literally. Now, reading this comment, I'm not sure what sort of person listens to a song by Iron Maiden and uses it to make a tenuous link to their childhood and emotions, and then goes on about it in public, where anybody can mock you. A brave sort of person, I imagine. Well, it's a strange song. All the sections are quite odd, and, and you can separate them, and it, it might seem that they don't work, but they do fit together very well. I think it might be seen as the weakest song on the album, because it isn't as conventional as others, and maybe it isn't long enough to justify all those changes and proggy elements. I mean... Splitting it up, the intro's 47 seconds, and that outro, that end section, that's over a minute, which means the rest of the song is just over three minutes, and there's plenty packed into that. It's ambitious, and that's what I want from Iron Maiden. I want to change ideas and keep it fresh, and not repeating sections over and over again, like they do on later albums. I think they missed a trick where they didn't carry on in this vein, um, and it's so much better than it's given credit for. It's like a grower, because when you first hear it, you are a bit disorientated. And even if you haven't heard it for a long time, you might think, oh yeah, I wasn't so sure on this one. But I recommend you listen to it, give it a chance. You may remember, on the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner episode, I mentioned this classical composer who analyses songs on YouTube, mainly rock songs and heavy metal songs with interesting changes, and he can give that perspective from a classical sense. Now he mentioned clever things like augmented triads, that I would never have mentioned. And I didn't lose any listeners for mentioning that he mentioned them. However, he did the prophecy last month, so I watched his face listening to it, because he's recording himself listening to it for the first time, so you get to see his reaction, as well as his comments. I was pleased to see that he makes some impressed noises, like whoa, and he does these confused facial expressions, and he shouts out notes and chords, showing off that he knows them, without having to press all the keys on his Fisher-Price piano, like I would have to. He seemed impressed that the song had two keys in the verse, and he said they shouldn't work, but they make it work. When he gets to the outro section, that acoustic bit, he calls it a lament, 
and is so impressed, he actually starts blubbering, wheezes his pants, live on video. He doesn't really do this, but it would have been better, wouldn't it? Although you can only see the top half of him. So for all I know, he might not be wearing any pants. Maybe I should do analysis videos. You could watch me listen to Iron Maiden and eating chocolate bars. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now, see what he's been up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Looking forward to this episode. Okay, well, you obviously know it's The Prophecy. So what do you think about that song? Yeah, I like it. It's a sprawling, seemingly chaotic mess, held together by the skill of the band. Yeah. It's got passages full of surprises, with unorthodox paths and rewarding twists. It's like a cavern that you might approach with slight trepidation, but deep down, you know you'll be safe, because it's Iron Maiden. Okay, you reading this from anywhere? Yeah, my notes. I knew you'd ask that. I've made an effort this week. I've written things down, rather than just sort of answering off the top of my head. I've written it down. It's good, isn't it? Okay, so have, have you had any prophecies? I don't know, well, no. I mean, I've done bets that came off. But they're not bets, are they? Or random thoughts about what will happen. They're actually, like, fated to happen. Like in the Bible. Or when Father Christmas writes to you and says he's getting an Atari 2600. Well, no, well, no that, that last one isn't a prophecy, is it? That's just a fact. Because it's going to happen. It's not a prediction. I mean, I can't make a prophecy that I'll ring you next Sunday because we know it's going to happen. Father Christmas isn't a prophet. But I can predict when you'll call on Sunday. Yeah, I know, but we agree in advance it's two o'clock. Yeah, but it isn't always on the dot, is it? If it's five past two and I need the toilet, I might not go, thinking that you're bound to call soon. But then I can predict that as soon as I go upstairs and put the toilet seat up and pull my pants down, you're bound to call. Okay, well, anyway, have, have you got any examples of predictions that you've done? I noticed this week Craig S, or Craig Runner, as he's known on Twitter, he guessed the correct score for three games in a row on the Euros and on that football tournament. Yeah, well, I've done things like that. I've guessed correct football scores. Um, but that was a mixture of luck and using a special prediction generator. A special prediction generator? Yeah, it was like the Iron Maiden song title generator. You remember, I fed in data and it used this to make a song title. But in the special prediction generator, it gave me a score, like 1-0, or 2-0, or 2-1. Yeah, alright, I know what scores are. Was it just an empty tub of sweets with pieces of paper in it, with different scores written on them? No. Okay, well it seems a bit basic. Um, I never really understood the odds on the bookies. No, normally. I think probability was easier to understand, because everything's a half. A half? Yeah, one out of two. No, it's not. We had a message from someone called Mr Probability that the odds on a seventh son was 1 in 128. No, that's wrong. It's a half. How is it? Well, you either have a seventh son or you won't. So it's a half, isn't it? 1 in 2. Well, hang on. What about the odds of England winning the, the Euro 2021 thing? Well, they'll either win or they won't. So it's a half, 1 in 2 chance. So everything in the world has an equal chance of happening? Yeah, it either will or it won't. That, that's, I don't think that's how it works. What, if someone's rubbish at a sack race, you're saying they've got the same chance as an expert? Why do you have to bring that up? Anyway, I've got no time for argument. It's time for this. Game of hit shop. 
Right, my mix up. Change my pitch up. Right, my mix up. Okay, so this week. Hang on a minute. You can't just decide when we do rate my mix up. You just just take over. You need to ask my permission. I didn't think this was going to be a weekly thing. Well, I've been inundated with uh, mix ups to rate. Well, as I think maybe you should get your own podcast for this. Maybe there's a market for this sort of thing, but not on an Iron Maiden podcast, especially on an important phase of the podcast. You know, one of the best albums. Got you know new listeners. And they come in thinking, great, I want to hear insight and analysis. And I've got this, this fool talking about milk and cereals. No, I think some people like this section. It's a new feature. Anyway, can I get on with it? Yeah, right. Kirsty Prince has been in touch. Can you not read her address out, please, if, if you've got it? No, well, it's Kirsty Prince from Australia then. And she had all bran, shredded wheat and half a banana. That sounds quite healthy. Half a banana? What happened to the other half? No. What do you mean, no? You don't rate the mix-ups. You don't You do not do this. It's me. All right, just we'll do it then. OK, well, I think it's a creative mix-up because the shredded wheat could be vessels like boats carrying the oil pran across a lake of milk. What's the banana then? Well, I assume that was finely chopped like gold coins. Gold coins? Yeah. Maybe there were merchant boats full of riches. Just rate the mix up, please. Okay. Well, as I say, it's innovative, despite the sort of beigeness of it. So I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, have you got a poem? Yeah. I saw your face in my tea leaves and in the sweat of my palms, and now we are here together, locked in each other's arms, sharing Bakewell tarts. Tolerating each other's farts in our matching striped pajamas, I feel like Nostradamus. Okay, well, I think that's quite clear what that's about. I'm assuming it's another one inspired by Pamela. Yeah, how could you tell? You just had that sort of sickly feel. It's good, isn't it? So you've got matching pajamas already. How long's the relationship been going? Yeah, well, I mean, well, it's for you to decide, isn't it? That's what I say in my poems. I think there's a lot in there that people will be jealous of. What do you mean? Well, some of the perfection in the relationship, like sharing Bakewell tarts. That's true love, isn't it? I don't know. I think some of the stuff with Pamela, there are a few sceptics. Some people say that she doesn't exist. How can they say that when I'm producing poetry like this? Well, that's just some of the comments we've had. That's nonsense. How can they hear me say those words and still they don't believe me? Well, that's certainly one way of looking at it, um, but uh, that's the way it is. People are sceptical online, aren't they? Well, I offered to have her on the show, but you said no. Yeah, well, that's fine. Anyway, uh, next week we've got the clairvoyant, haven't we? So, similar theme, but uh, hopefully you'll have a poem for that. Yeah, well, getting close to the end of the album, aren't we? Yeah, we are, yeah. Are we going to do an 80s special at the end? What, after the album? Yeah. You're always on about specials, aren't you? There's always some special coming up, isn't there? I suppose you haven't had a summer solstice special. No, that'd be silly. OK, well, what are we going to do in the 80s special? Talk about the 80s. That's what we've been doing for the last year and a bit. Yeah, but 
put it all in one place. You do album review specials. Why not an 80s review special? Yeah, ma- maybe. We could make it fancy dress. Fancy dress? Yeah. Well, how's that going to work on a podcast? Dunno. Oh, the listeners can imagine. What are you going to dress up as? Madonna? No. I thought it could be, like, thematic for the podcast. So it could be Daily Thompson. I don't... That's not going to happen, is it? Anyway, we might have an 80s special. We'll think about it. We've got a few weeks, so uh, thanks for the idea. But uh, anyway, yeah, next week, the clairvoyance. I'll speak to you later. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Okay, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. You can find me on other social media platforms. So if you're not a fan of Twitter, have a look where you are. Uh, Maybe you'll find me and uh, say hello and like my posts, please. I had a message from Joe at Creative Engagement who had a wimp hoodie. So that's good. And it sounded like it was her birthday, so uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, a bit late now, of course, but uh, I suppose it's better late than never. And, uh, yeah, hope you had a nice day. I had a message from someone called John who said he's enjoyed the reflections of an 80s childhood and grown up listening to Iron Maiden. It seems there's a few people out there who can identify with this. And he says on this song, when he heard the Seven Whistlers, he pictured the Seven Dwarves. Uh, so, so that's interesting. So that's the prophecy then. And uh, I've sort of worked out, as the episode's gone on, that I like this song a lot more than it's given credit for. So there you go. I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and uh, hopefully speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.